Welcome to Walking After Foo, the album-by-album discussion podcast of all things Foo Fighters. I'm your host, Andrew Williamson, joined, of course, as always, by... Hello there. Hello, hello, hello. You jumped me a little bit on that. Is it because you're excited? I'm excited. (laughs) I am excited because we are talking about a record that I know is near and dear to your heart. And I would love to hear the whole story because this, ladies and gentlemen... The reason why I love the Foo Fighters is because Andrew loves the Foo Fighters. And Andrew loves the Foo Fighters because of In Your Honor, which is what we are talking about today. That is partially true. Yes, we are talking about In Your Honor, their fifth record. We are 10 years into the Foo Fighters. We are one half, or this is the halfway point in their career thus far in terms of albums. We are doing every album as we go through to the lead up of Medicine at Midnight coming out February 5th. Fifth, 2021. 2021, their 10th record. This is number five. We're halfway there. And this so is a excited. big one. This, this is, is a, not just one record. No, it's a double record. This it's is, two. it's a double record. It has so many great songs. It is a really great point in their career. And I'm so excited to dive into it. But before we do, I will say, this record came out in 2005. June, right before their 10-year anniversary. Uh, this is when I first heard them. I probably heard them at the end of 2005. One of my friends was playing music for me. He knew I liked a lot of rock music. He said, hey, you might like the Foo Fighters. He plays Best of You, first single off this record, and DOA, the second single off this record. And I was like, hey, these are really good. I like this music. I should check it out a little bit more. So I went in and I... I was like, look, I was actually looking through my iTunes in 2006. So it must've been like, you know, a little bit after this, I had some money, went to Best Buy and picked up. I had list, I had already heard a couple of singles at this point. I was listening, I was watching the videos. I thought they were great. I said, okay, I want to get some of these songs. So they didn't have a greatest hits out at this point. And I wasn't super big on greatest hits anyway. I, I usually like to listen to the album as intended, but they didn't have one out. So I go and I say, okay, well, I want to get times like these and I want to get Everlong and Monkey Wrench and I want to get This Is A Call. And I wanted to get Best Of You, obviously. So I go to the store, same day, I bought In Your Honor, Color and the Shape, One by One, the first record. And something we're going to talk about today as well because there's so much music from this era. The five songs in the cover EP which was released in November or so of 2005. It was a bunch of B-sides released exclusively to uh, Best Buy. And I remember seeing that on the cover and it was like, I don't know, a couple bucks. It was like, what was great about this record is that it was pretty much the same price to get this record as it was to get any of the other ones. So it didn't feel like I was overpaying to like get 20 songs. So I'm like, okay, it's 20 songs. Oh yeah, this comes with it too. Great. Like I'll I'll just buy this also. It is so wonderful to dive into a band like right from the deep end where you just get all where you're not just starting with greatest hits. You're just you're going straight into album tracks. You're going right into the deep cuts. You're getting B-sides. I love this record so 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 much. Um and I it's so funny cuz it's one of those things where I it was very much something I listened to in that time. And I listened to it, like I said, 2006, pretty soon after that, the skin and bones 
like live album came out, the acoustic. I was really into acoustic at the time. And then one year later, they put out Echo Silence. So this is where I, really when I start to develop as a fan. And the rock stuff started it, and then it really kicked in with all of the acoustic versions, and then Echo Silence is very acoustic. And so I kind of stepped away from the rock album for a little while. Listening back this week, oh my God, how wonderful. How wonderful it was <laughs> step back into this record. But before we do that, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about the record. Pete, actually, before then, when, did you hear this record when it came out like I did? No, I did not. I was not that kind of fan of the Foo Fighters yet. Um, I had heard them on the radio. I had heard Best of You, I'm sure. I heard Learn to Fly, I'm sure. But I didn't get into them properly. Know, you know, know who they were, put the name of the band to the music or the faces to the music until we met at the radio station where I kind of got into Echo Sounds, Patient and Grace and Wasting Light at the same time. And I worked backwards. And so I said, okay, you know what? I know what's going on here. I'm getting the sense for what this band is about, what kind of music they put together. Um, but good on you at... I'm, I'm, you know, whatever age you were then, you know, must have been 14, must have been 14, must have been about 14 to not be intimidated by a two album record and want to dive into it as intently as you did. That's or, that, or, or that, just that yeah, means a lot. pretty deep, a pretty deep discography at that point. Yeah. You know, 10 years in five, five albums. I, I didn't get all five. As I and, mentioned, I only got, I, I missed that one. And a lot but, of people might argue, and we'll talk about it later that the first five records may contain the best of the Foo Fighters. Now, it's different depending on who you ask, but many people, you look at the set list of their shows, a large percentage of their shows are contained within these first five records that we were talking about, we'll talk about, you know, as of this episode. So there's a lot of meats here to talk about. And if you haven't listened to our previous episodes, I want to make sure that you do because those discussions are great as well. Go on Music Unsubscribe, search it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere podcasts are available to listen to albums one through four we are on in your honor album five and it's it's a big one it's an exciting one it's a fun one and shall we dive in let's let's dive in so this was recorded at the new 606 studio they have i guess at this point they decided to move to la dave decided to move to la i think they were mostly the rest of them i think were there anyway built a brand new studio, 606 West. Had They built it themselves. Band was there, crew, roadies, everyone was building it while they were writing. Now, this is three years from the last record. And so while they were on tour and whatnot, some of the inspiration was coming through. They were doing uh, you know, some stuff for, I think, John Kerry's campaign. They were doing like fundraisers and whatnot. He's writing songs, writing a bunch of songs, and... As, he's, as Dave is you know, writing some of the stuff, he's building together a big mass of stuff that doesn't fit with the normal Foo Fighter sound. All of this like soft, melodic stuff, not the heavy stuff. And this is a very interesting thing. Instead of think going, oh, well, this is something different. I'm gonna be, this is a Dave Grohl solo thing or whatever, it's a different band. This is a turning point for the band 10 years on Let's just do it. Let's see. Let's change. Let's change what the Foo Fighters are. You know what we are. You've had four records of it. 
what if we did something different? What if we changed it up a little bit? You know, stop from being, you know, uh, the same thing, do the same thing over, which is what they will do for the next several records. So they, you know, Dave is writing these songs and he, you know, he's writing a bunch of songs that are acoustic and they, they're melodic and they don't fit with Foo Fighters. And he says, instead of making it a solo thing, let's just make this Foo Fighters. It's me. It's, it's us. Let's just do it. And what's great about this is that this is the start of a process that the Foo Fighters do where every time they go in to make a new record, instead of just like, let's just sit down in a studio and write a couple songs and like do it the way we always do. Like, let's change it up. Let's have fun with it. Let's do something different. And this is the start of that. And I'm really excited about it. And I love it. Whether it's where they choose to record or how or with who, there's something that they're going to be doing differently from here on out. Yeah. And it's a testament to how much they truly, you know, not in a, in a disrespectful sort of way, but just don't really care what other people around them are saying about them, what sort of critiques they're receiving. They have reached a pinnacle in their mm-hmm. careers and they are not slowing down. They have said, we know what the mountaintop looks like. We've seen the world from that point of view. We can keep climbing if there's another mountain bigger than this one. And we're not afraid to try something new. And this record, let me tell you something. It is something new. It is two albums, each 10 songs a piece. Album one are songs that are more rock oriented, distortion, electric, heavy drums, heavy bass, screaming, screaming, which Dave is known for. Album two, much softer, more acoustic. Though the sentiments I felt carried over in similar ways. Screaming doesn't necessarily mean it's not caring. And I feel like it is still constant themes throughout. So let's begin with track one of album one, which is the title track, In Your Honor. This is an awesome song. What I love about this record, this, this rock record, is they did it better. They did, this is... We talked about this last time, though the one by one record, it had, it had missteps. It didn't have as much emotion. It was, there was too much of the same. It didn't feel like there was anything. It, there was a lot of it feeling very flat. The pacing felt weird. This is the version of one by one that should have been sort of mm-hmm. right. I, I don't know if you feel the same way. Well, you bring up a great point and people have to remember who are listening to us in 2002, the album that came before this was 2002, one by one, largely considered and considered by us probably the worst Foo Fighters record. If at that can, point, for sure. At that point, if we're going to say that there is a worst, it really is no worse no. when you have times like these on a record. But it is not the best in terms of a cohesive package. And then In Your Honor just explodes out of the gate. So much energy. I love that drum beat. Yeah. It's so different. It's not your... It's it's just like pulsating and just marching. It's marching you up to, it, it feels like the, like the introduction of something intense, this build up. Yeah. You know, you're building up to this, like you, you're reaching that, you know, the top of the mountains, like, right. We're going to, we are introducing you to the rock world. Yep. This, and is, then- this is full out 10 full, like full, full 10 out of 10 in terms of energy. Like we're, we're, we're cranking those guitars up. It's as if to tell the people who criticize them, 
hold on <laughs> hold my beer yeah <laughs> one second Wait, let's one second let me show you if i put a guitar in my hands what i'm capable of in your honor the big anthemic gigantic sound that it is transitions to track two no way back i think it's such a great intro like track into that and this is a great song this is another great great song i love the guitar on this i love the yeah. melody he puts to it mm-hmm. you know i think that it's fun it's one I wish I heard more in concerts. I don't know why he doesn't play it more in shows. I agree. This is a this is an awesome song. They don't play and they don't play enough from this record as a whole. I'm gonna say that. This is one of their best favorite. It was one of my favorite records. It's one of their best, for sure. They don't play enough from this mm. at all. Dave, crew, Pat, Chris. I don't want to just sample single out Rami. Dave because even Rami, the, Rami, Rami. Just start playing this. Just playing a little bit of it. Just like throw a little bit of it into it. People won't be disappointed. I promise you. Yeah. You'll, you will find fans like us sitting there saying, "Oh, look at that! This is such a good. It's such a good rock song. This one. is really. It's like really fun. It's that's the best way to put it. It, it fits fun. really well with the stuff that came before it too. Yeah, it fits really well with Have It All and Low. It's, but it's like tighter. It sounds, and especially in the melodies that I hear between who I'm guessing is him and Taylor, um, that they just have be- gotten that chemistry figured out. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you see it instantly in live shows today. He and Taylor are on the same wavelength constantly. They're probably the two most recognizable faces of the Foo Fighters, um, wherever you see them, either individually or together. And I felt just in these first two tracks that they are clicking much better than they ever have. Mm-hmm. And then we get to track three, which I can only describe as when, when you hear Dave say the first six words in the song, I've got another confession to make. Immediately you just go, ah, oh, tugging at heartstrings. Mm-hmm. You need to scream along with him. You need to. He plays it at I mean, best of you. Best he of you. one of their best songns. He, they didn't he made a really good one, right? Ever. Best songs I, ever. What's interesting about this is... This and No Way Back, I think, were the only two that in, th- from the original demos that made it to this album. We'll talk about a little bit in, in like a few minutes when we can move on to some of the other songs that are crazy and incredible. But this song wasn't going to make the record for a while. Got to give it up to their manager who uh, heard the demos like, no, you should, really, you should really record this song. It's a good idea if you did. This is a great song. It's a classic. This this it's, is this is classic Foo Fighters. It is. Like if you're gonna hit, if you're gonna hit the the sound on the head, this is it. It's up there with times like these, my hero, the pretender, Everlong, Everlong as the songs that people buy tickets to go see live. This, this is, is this is, is where the money sells. is. This yeah. like Brett in our episode two for the color and the shape talked about. The money-making songs, the songs that you that you pay the checks, the you know pay the bills with. This song pays the bills. It, this one, it, this one keeps the lights on for it, sure. It bought several homes for several people. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Oh yeah. Track number four is a favorite of mine. I actually, funny story, it's DOA. As I was listening to this this week, I texted Andrew saying I forgot how much I love DOA because this song is another like No Way Back hidden this gem. Hits. It's a this, hit. Yeah. It's a it this is a hit. And I mean they they released it as a hit. They don't play it very often either. This is one I, I actually I was looking for you mentioned it. And this is the song 
that Best of You I thought was great, but this is the song that actually made me think, oh, this band's interesting. Let me go check them out. This is the song that, that clenched me to Foo Fighters. This, this one, not even Best not of best You of or you. In no, Your Honor? No, DOA. Wow. DOA was the, that was the, he showed me Best of You and I thought, oh, this is cool. Then he showed me DOA and I was like, this is, there's something to this that is interesting and I like it. And I, I also, he showed me the music video and the music video is pretty cool, but. Yeah, I think this song, these, you know, it's interesting. And I, I'm noticing it as we're sitting here. Do you notice this trend of first four tracks really being the best first four track? I mean, look, we can talk about maybe there, you might think there are a better arrangement of four tracks, but one by one had its first four tracks being the best four tracks in your honor explodes out of the gate with the best, with some of the best songs being the first four. These are the, I agree that some of the best songs on here are these first four. I don't know if this is a Dave thing, because if you think about this is the same thing that happened with the first record with Foo Fighters. This is a call. I'll stick around big me alone and easy target. I think, Two of those. I mean, you're, you're, you're pretty, you're right on it. It's uh, here. I'm going to look it up really quickly. Well, this is a well, call. I'll stick around. Big me alone. target. You got it perfectly. These are like, those are the, those are the, the best songs from that record. I mean, yeah. I, I have ones that I love, but like in terms of the ones that like get you on tour, those are the four songs. Yeah. I don't know if this is like a, this is very different in terms of how I imagine pacing for a record starting off the gate with a full out sprint. Right. But you have to do it right. It's kind of the thing. The next, the next six songs have to be right. And I think that, and I think that's the difference between one by one and in your honor. Because Because there are songs here down the track listing that carry. As you move forward, the next few songs do have that energy. They do have that, they don't make it feel like, oh, well, we just dropped off. You know, they keep the energy. As someone said, there's no middle ground on this record. No. There is high intensity and there is acoustic. Yep. And there's nowhere in between. Nope. So you get to the end of DOA, great song, which I, I, would, I wish, again, that they would play more. Uh, they did apparently play it on the tour, on the Broken Leg tour that we went to. Oh, very cool. Uh, because somebody in the front was screaming for it, or like five people in the front were screaming for it, and they were like, okay, I guess we're going to play this for the four people that want to hear this song, and they're like fiddling through how the riff goes, and then they went for it, and you hear the entire place, like, or at least the, the dude who's filming it is going insane. Everyone's singing along to this song. Play it more, man. It's a great song. Just, just slide it right in there. You do a three-hour show with that encore anyway. Yeah. There's room for DOA. There's room for it. There's but room. let's move on to some of the songs in the middle here. So let's get yes. to track five, Hell. Hell. This is a great song. <laughs> I love how it DOA ends. And there's a great segue where it just cuts right to the next guitar. And he's, he's screaming. You've got that bass line that's really cool, that like guitar bass double thing that like kind of like going that like downward trending melody you hear like over that like really loud just wild guitar yep it's a short one under two minutes 
Yeah, well, when we talked in the beginning about there being songs where screaming is involved, if you had to take a wild guess, put money on it, Hell would be one of those songs where that is featured prominently. And so it came as no surprise when I got to this song and track listing. I'm like, okay, we're going to hear some screaming. We're going to hear some intensity. We're going to hear some darkness a little bit. But it is such a great transition point in album one because the way I listen to this record as we go through, just for everyone to understand, I treated albums one and two as different albums. It is within In Your Honor, but they are such different records. I oh, had absolutely. to treat them differently. So yeah. Hell being the end of side A of album A to me is a great choice. Great fit. It is. Great fit. Which brings us to side B of album A, track six, The Last Song. Which is not the last song. Not the song, last song. <laughs> which I always found interesting. I was like, well, this isn't the last song though, but not it's a great, close. it's a really cool song. Yeah. So this is one of the, I mean, of the guitar riff in this, that the da 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 so good. It's yeah, we it's, do a lot of that. <laughs> it's catchy. Every single guitar in this first album is catchy. What's really interesting about this is, with the exception of the two songs I mentioned, "Best of You" and "No Way Back," yeah, most of this record was written in the last three weeks. That's amazing. What they did, so they were they were working on on a bunch of songs. They worked on the acoustic record. The acoustic record came out so great that Dave was like, well, we have to rewrite a bunch of these songs. We have to just come up with new songs. So every day for the next three weeks, they would write a complete song. They would jam it out in the morning. They'd come up with some riff or tempo or something, and they would just start writing. They'd be like, that's good. Start writing your, like, start writing your parts. And he would just go and pen lyrics really quickly and then record them. They, that's how they ended up writing 40 songs that got whittled down, Goodness. which is why we have so much to say about this record because there's so much that they wrote. It's, how amazing is that? <laughs> the way Dave's mind works, I, this is not a podcast about Dave Grohl, but it, no, it's can't, not. it can't not be mentioned that Dave Grohl's songwriting is what carries a he lot of is these. A, he is a very strong creative force. Yes. Leading this charge. Naturally. He is, he naturally. is the natural leader of Foo Fighters. Yes. It's and not I, about him, but it's, he, is, he is definitely a driving force with it. And I think it's his ability to balance being a team player with being the leader that makes him so likable and so able to do what he does so well. And the last song is a great microcosm of it. Track seven uh, continues the first rock-oriented album with Free Me. I really like this song. It, it has similarities to the last song. Mm-hmm. But what I, I, one of the things I really like about this one is the emphasis on... You don't get to hear a lot of Nate Mendel, the, the bassist of Foo Fighters. You don't get to hear a lot of him, right? He's very... He's usually in the background. But this is one of those fun songs where you get to have him right up front. Right. Thick bass, yep. just riffing for those verses. Mm-hmm. It's so much fun to hear that. You don't get to hear it very often. You're like, oh, that, that's like, there's like an awesome bass player in this band too. Like there's, there's Taylor Hawkins, an amazing drummer. There's, you know, Chris Schiffler. You always hear guitars, right? But you don't get to hear like, you know, significant bass well enough. So this is a, I, I think this is a great necessary song to show off Nate Mendel. It's, it's a great way to get the whole band sort of included because you start this record in your honor, no way back to an extent. Taylor, I feel, 
gets front and center in yeah. many ways. I know you're hearing Dave very clearly. Um, in Your Honor has a great guitar buildup, but there is a technicality to the drums that I hadn't heard to this point in Foo Fighters Records, yeah. listening throughout. I Every single band member is starting to find their footing in Foo Fighters. Everyone's starting to figure out how they can play together. And I think In Your Honor, to Andrew's point on Free Me, how Nate is finding his way through bass, Taylor's finding his way through drums, and everyone's settling in very, very comfortably. Um, let's continue on the rock album with one of my favorite songs on this record. Really? Honestly, one of my favorite songs, Resolve. And I think most people may not consider this their favorite. It's a little bit slower by the standards of this first, um, this first half of this double album. But I love the fact that you hear, for one of the rare times, Dave Grohl do runs. <laughs> Dave Grohl doesn't normally do runs, and he does some runs in this. And it's kind of funny how you know, a guy who likes to have his voice recorded a certain way deviates from it a tiny bit we did talk about how he deviates from um you know his normal recording voice a little bit using things like uh you know the talk box and doubling up and uh, yeah. there's nothing left to lose but i think resolve was a great way for him to kind of try some new things vocally and i liked yeah. it yeah i thought it was great this yeah. is a really good song it's it's so funny because we we've talked about sequencing a lot and how like this is track eight given where it's placement it's like you'd think this is like a but that's what happens when you have 10 songs and there's a lot of good ones, especially those first four. You put a song like track eight, your ha- you know, track three on the, the B side. It's like, oh, this is a great single. Just, it's so interesting. It's so wonderful. It, it really helps keep the energy, especially the, la- the last two songs aren't necessarily like the most exciting, I would say. They're a little bit, they're a little like more relaxed, but it's like, it's really great to have that. I think if Dave is thinking of this as a double album where the end of one transitions to the beginning of two, maybe Resolve and the next two songs do that better than the first half of album one that was so intense and so in your face. Yeah. Uh, track nine being the deepest blues or black, similar to Resolve in terms of its tempo and its, its sentiments. Obviously, you, know, you can assume by the title the deepest blues are black that it's a little sad, a little more somber. But it's, that doesn't take away from how interesting the harmonies are and how interesting the arrangements are in this. This is one of those moments where it really shows how much I love this band because this song is one of the... Like this song, Deepest Blues Are Black, is like, oh, it's, it's not the biggest song on the record. But if you separated this and put it on somebody else's record, this is, this is the lighter song. This is the wave your... This is the everyone waves their hands, puts their yep. cell phones out song. This is the anthem. It's an anthem that is not like it's just not necessarily not necessarily cared for, but it's it's an anthem among anthems. It's probably the anthemic song they would choose to play in shows to this point. Knowing what we know about the Foo Fighters in 2020, going to 2021, this song falls by the wayside in favor of other songs we know are much more anthemic and much more recognized. But this certainly has a place on a live set. Oh, absolutely. I want to reintroduce it. How do you feel that end over end ending uh, the rock album? I really like this song. It has a new way home sort of vibe. It do, it reminds me of something from color and the shape a little bit. It okay. has a little bit of that, but it's, but you're having more, you definitely have more of the like 2005 band, the, the, the real Foo Fighters band in it, as opposed to it being somewhat closer to a Dave thing 
This is a really cool song. I think it's a great way to end it. I don't think that the last song really makes sense as the last song. I think this <laughs> makes more sense as a great way to end a 10-track just knockout, just punch you in the face. Yep. As, uh, it, as he it said. It flies the, by. It is the Jack and Coke record. Yes. <laughs> this, this, is the, this is the rock record. This is the festival record. Yes. In 2005, if they had played this entire thing, this is the, we're playing a festival. It's 40 minutes, very tight. It comes at you almost too quickly sometimes. You have, yeah. once you get past Best of You and DOA, you are still riding a high to the, to the end of it. And you're like, wait a minute. Now what have we gotten into? Well, now we've gotten into album two. We've oh, yeah. gotten into, essentially, let's say, I like Foo Fighters, but I would love it if they just threw in an acoustic guitar and maybe a little less drums. Well, you're in luck, ladies and gentlemen. That is album two, the acoustic it is. It's the unplugged version. Yes. You know, it's the, it's well the, said. Uh, it's the MTV unplugged version of Foo yes. Fighters. This is actually was also part of their tour. Uh, there are some great videos online from 2005 when they did solely acoustic shows and sessions yeah, of the, the Skin and Bones, the Skin, the Skin and, and Bones, Bones tour. Yeah. Skin and Bones tour. Was, yeah, where they play all these songs as well as some of the other songs from the previous records, uh, acoustic, and they're so great. Yes. They're really great. And this is, it's interesting because this record, and the Skin and Bones tour really helps impact the next few years of how they perform some of these songs too. For which we well, we could talk about another time. We're not talking about Skin and Bones. We're not talking about the live record. We're talking about this record. We're talking That's right. about That's the right. second disc of In Your Honor. But it's it's for being something that you don't expect from a Foo Fighters record. It's really great. It begins with still. How did you feel about it beginning? I love this song, and I think this is a great song. I don't think there's any other song on this record, on the acoustic record, that starts it. It starts very calm. Everything's still. It, but this is a great song, and it's the also the first introduction of their future keyboardist, uh, Ronnie Jaffe. Ta-da! Right, this is right, right where he starts off. Welcome right, right with those first chords, right here. It's a good song. Yeah, it's it's a fantastic song. I would argue that the second song is maybe even a little bit better in my mind, What If I Do. What I love about What If I Do is the repetition in the chorus. I love the the pacing of it. I love the almost unanswered question of it. You know, I think that that is the most powerful thing about it. Yeah, I think it's a great song. I know I think it's a great song. This is, like we said, this is an example of the, this record has like this acoustic record has a lot of those moments of songs that are bigger that like they like you get to you get to spend more time with their lyrics which you don't have to you don't get to do very often so much of their of their time you spend on riffs and just like how like the beats and how the screaming and all that and the choruses but like this is a record what if i do definitely has it but as you move through this record you're gonna have a lot of those like He's a good lyricist. Yeah, simply put. Simply put. And then track three comes on, which, believe it or not, was the fifth single off of this album, the second from the acoustic sessions, Miracle. Yeah. This is such a great song. This is, this is a really <laughs> great song. Everything to you is a great song. <laughs> they are. They're all great songs. It's true, though. It's true, though. They put When you're choosing between 
you know, you've got four, like they went through 40 songs. These are, these are really great songs. Let, um, let me, let me ask you this. Um, and you know, maybe this is a more appropriate question when we get to the end, but I'm going to ask it now because I'm thinking about it. Um, you at, you know, 14 or however old you were listening to in your honor, did you spend a lot of time on the acoustic side yeah, of this? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think I started off on the, fir- on the, on the rock record. I, I went through, I was listening to the, the hits, you know, your, your one by ones and color mm-hmm. and shape. And then I spent, I, I think around the time that skin and bones came out, I was shifting towards this record. And then I, I didn't really listen to this version a lot. I spent a lot more time on skin and bones for oh, okay. a lot of their record of a lot of their music. I, I spent a, I, I took like a very long break from, I w- it was skin and bones and, uh, and echo silence, patience and grace. It wasn't until college that I, and, and I think, and I think the first record, and it wasn't until college that I like jumped back into one by one and color in the shape. One by one as well. I give you credit. I, I really did. I really do like one by one. I really liked songs like come back. I, I talked about it last week. I, right. I, right. I, I or last episode. I, I really like you know, I like songs like come back. I like burn away a little bit. It's just that there's a lot of it and it's, there's not, a, there's not, you know, pacing, blah, blah, blah. We've talked right. about that, yeah. but yes. Miracle's great. Um, so fun, was, and, and fun, no, fun, fun fact about Miracle. Um, there is a feature on this song, a pretty famous feature. John Paul Jones. Of Led Zeppelin. This is also a record where the Foo Fires introduce some friends that they normally don't have on records. John Paul Jones being one of the biggest among them. Yeah, this it's... Um, yeah, there, there's so many people on this. This is the record where they also do that thing that has become a standard of Foo Fighters record now of famous people want to record with Foo Fighters. So now you have John Paul Jones, who later you know gets together with him to do them Crooked Vultures. Uh, you have, I mean, Josh Homme is on, on Razor. Uh, they've got you know, another round. The next track on this record has a harmonica solo. Yes, I love this song. You wouldn't think that a Foo Fighters song would have harmonica. It's a solo. Yeah. And another round. Which, and another round. Which I love. I love this I love, song. I love this song too. Yeah. I think this to me is like a bar brawl. You know? Yeah. That's how this, I feel about this one. This one is definitely a like a late night country bar. This is this is a song you sway and everyone sings along with their, you know, with their beers. Yep. The repetition oh. at the end, that's what it is. It's like you can mm-hmm. just imagine that. Of just we're we're gonna keep singing this part until they kick us out of the bar until last yeah. call is over. Let's go another round. Yeah, exactly. I that's I love the message of that at the end. I mean, hopefully there isn't something darker underneath. And I'm saying I love the message of it because you know I know that you know anything involving alcoholism and that sort of nature can be sometimes you know can really bring out some demons in people who have mm-hmm. struggled with it. But um, to me, I, I see a lighter, lighter part of it. And it's something I enjoyed. Uh, track five, the end of side a of album two, friend of a friend. This song has deep roots. This is about him meeting the guys in Nirvana. He recorded this in the night in the early nineties under the late pocket watch around the same time that he did Winnebago. This is, this is an interesting song. I thought it was a very interesting choice to add it now. Hmm. I, I, I honestly think that there are other songs that he could have put in, in its place. If you're going to look for 10 songs, I, I don't necessarily know if this is the best song. 
Like, I don't think this is like the number 10 song of the acoustic songs. I think it's it's probably the one that had the most sentimental value to him. And maybe that's why it's there. Possibly. If I had to guess. If I had to guess. But what is your opinion of it? I mean, I'm on board with you. It did not come leap off the page to me as one that I want to hear again or one that when I heard it, I my ears perked up and I got interested, you know, in really diving deep into this song. But, you know, knowing the origins of the story of, of why he wrote it, um, people always search for the, the answer to the question, is this about Kurt Cobain? Is this and, about Nirvana? But I think it's interesting is that yeah. if you're going to choose, you know, after 10 years of hearing, is this song about Kurt Cobain? Is this song about Nirvana? Being able to be like, yes, I'm going to give you one. And it's going to be the most, like, not boring song, but it's like the most... A little bit of throwaway, a little bit. Oh, yeah, a little bit of a throwaway, a yeah. little bit of like a, yeah, this is, this is what I thought when I met them. It's not like, oh, is this about your emotions on when he died and blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, no, this is just something I wrote like 10 years ago when I, wrote, when I met the, or, you know, 15 years ago when I met the guy. Yeah. You know, he, you throw never, you throw, he said, never mind, which I think is just a fun, like, oh, yeah, see, hey, <laughs> that, that album that we all love. Yep. This definitely feels not like the most important song on the record. Um, and I, I think I, maybe on purpose, maybe, on, maybe purpose. on purpose, but it ends side B, right? It's track, you know, and side or side C, right? Yes. I see side C. We move on to the, to the last five songs on the record, starting with over and out. Wait, what do you think? I want you to begin with this one. How, I, how do you feel as this beginning aside? If this is, if this were to begin aside. So it has this like really creepy eeriness to it. Yeah. This song. And I love, I love it. And it fits better with this record than a couple other songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, the friend of a friend and, and another one that I'll talk about. I have this weird feeling of like, you know, the cover of Taylor Swift's folklore. Yes. That is what it makes me think. Interesting. It doesn't, it doesn't make me think of a Taylor Swift song. Okay. It doesn't make me think of, you know, I thought maybe for a second, like a click speak now or something like that, but no, it's just like, it's a visual. There's a mood. There's a mood that it creates. This is a mood, like an atmospheric. Interesting. And that's what it creates for me. Like if they said like, uh, you know, if he like was going to make this as part of like a film score, like this, this acoustic thing that would fit perfectly. Well, well said. That said something also that people should know about this is that Dave actually had, uh, you know, interest in making this a, a, a score, a film score, um, really making this into a, a big piece. And I think in a lot of ways it was, you know, this was featured in a lot of shows and a lot of uh, Democratic National Convention uh, soundtracks. And so it still served a big purpose. Um, but yeah, it did have intentions of being big. Um, and I think over and out maybe a, a little snippet of where that could have gone had he made it more of a film score than a, than a music record. Um, but to me, it's... It's a really kind of emotional song if you think about it. You listen to the lyrics. There is this sense of, of fatherhood in there. I don't know if you caught that at all, but there is a little bit of protecting and caring for someone or something well, he, in there. I think that fits very well. I think at this yeah. point he was, he might have gotten married just now, might, might have been having his first kid. Right, exactly. And so I think it's, uh, I think if, if you're a, a young parent, like Brett, if you are, you know, a, a, you know, a young person with a young family, I think this is a song to listen to and, and would make you really pause and reflect and appreciate a lot. I think without question. Yeah, um, absolutely. Then we go on to a song 
on the mend, which is uh, kind of similar in some respects. Yeah, they're pretty similar. I, I, I he mentions it in the uh, documentary, uh, back and forth. If you haven't watched it, it's a good watch. It's about uh, pretty much the everything that happened before Wasting Light and then the recording of Wasting Light. But he talks about this song. Um, he wrote this after Taylor Hawkins had his OD right before the One by One album came out. Mm-hmm. So this is, you know, it's about, you know, he's here to help his friend and, you know, it's, a, it's an emotional song. And it's, I think it's really beautiful. I love the, uh, on a musical side, I love the the way that it plays with time. The, the like the guitar riff has this very like bounce almost like bouncy uneasiness to it. I think what's interesting, you brought up the, the overdose that Taylor Hawkins had uh, back when the song was, was made. Um, and you mentioned how that was revealed to be the context of the song in the documentary. And someone had asked Taylor later on about that, that context of the song. And he said, I really don't want to know that. He said, you know, don't tell me that he just wrote a song about that kind of experience. And I think in one way, Taylor's hugely appreciative of Dave for bringing him into this band that has defined his career as well as Dave's. Um, but the fact that Dave pulls inspiration from just about everywhere and Dave finds a way to mask it so cleverly that it can go years without being truly understood, even by the people who it is written about sit, sitting right behind him on a drum kit, what it's truly about. That's the mark of a good uh, songwriter, in my opinion. Yeah, that it can be universal. A song yes. like this doesn't have to, you, you, it's not, you know, we mentioned Taylor Swift before for a long time. Her, her music was, you know exactly who she's talking about. You follow both of them on Twitter. And That's I right. really like that. I, and that was something that I was also, you know, Taylor Swift was becoming popular around the time that I started, that I was getting big in Foo Fighters. Something that I like, I could tell that, that you know, stuck me apart of, I didn't like that music initially. Uh, you know, like, oh, I don't really, you know, I like the, you know, the ambiguity, you know, something that you get from other singers. Like, this could be, this is universal. This could be applied to anybody. Right. I'm sure, you know, you're a big fan of, you know, Paul McCartney and uh, John Lennon, the Beatles. Like, they, a lot of their music is universal, can be, isn't necessarily about anything in particular. It might be about something, but it could also be about you. And that's something that I really love about songs like On the Mend. Right. Then On the Men transitions to a song that I'm really fond of, one that I listened to a couple of times, Virginia Moon. What do you think about that one? I mean, Nora Jones, really great addition. I love their, I love their harmonies together. I do think it's a weird choice on the, on the record. Uh, I, do, I like the song. I, I want to make that clear. I do like the song. Um, but I do find it a very interesting choice. Music, like to have this song, it doesn't fit with the vibe that was coming before it. And so I just, I just thought it was an interesting choice to have that on there. It's very classic. It's, you know, it's pulled from an era that is not the one Dave Grohl typically sits in. And that's why I think Nora Jones was asked to be in here because it is so different and such a more classic sound, not classical, but classic sound yeah. of something. It's a little more jazz, vocal jazz than it is. Which is why she's there. Yeah. 
But I think what's really funny is that I was doing some research on this. And at one point, Nora Jones was interviewed about this. And she said, when Dave first called me, the first thought that went into my head was, oh, I'm finally going to get to do a rock song. Not yet. (laughs) Not yet. But what Nora Jones brings to this is the way that she does harmonies and ballads is so spot on. It's, it, it, was, it was a great fit. And it's also a great choice because I think also Nora Jones' stock is rising at this point, early 2000s. I think she's also becoming a really big name. So yeah. it's really cool, I'm sure, for people to see them collaborating on this song in the moment in which they were collaborating. Track nine, though. This is one that comes up quite often. Yeah. Old Day in the Sun. Cold Day in the Sun, written by Taylor Hawkins, the drummer, sung by Taylor Hawkins, the drummer. Is this a first? This is a first on a record. He had done some covers as B-sides, which, again, we will talk about in our covers uh, show when we eventually get to that. But this is the first time he's singing on a record. It's great. He has such a great voice. It's awesome that you get to showcase him. And it's, again, it shows... Dave's point that this is not a solo project. This is not the Dave Grohl show, though many times it feels like it is. It's but easy to is, make it about that, but it's, it's not. It's not. It's this is about, it's exactly. It's a team and an integral part of that team is the drummer. Arguably the better drummer of the two, but when you have two amazing drummers in a band, you know, that's something, but he's an incredible singer. And this is an awesome song to have. Like it's a, it's a good song. And it was, and they did play it a lot in the tours to come. I think every, you know, at this point he's feeling more confident singing and now he's singing in shows. And eventually he gets these big parts where we've seen it live when they do the band introductions, he'll bring out Queen and Bowie. Sometimes yeah. he'll do under he'll pressure. Do, he'll do under pressure. Right. Uh, he'll do he'll do a drum solo. He has another song. Now I think Sunday rains on concrete and gold. Yep. So we'll get to that when we get there. But at this point, and I had started seeing them in a few like a few years after this, but they he was still playing Cold Day in the Sun live. Because I think it's that important to the band as a growing point for them to say we're letting the band become a band. We're not just, it's not Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters situation. Mm -hmm. It is the Foo Fighters period, end of story situation. Um, What's interesting here, you're probably wondering, well, if if Taylor wrote the song, if Taylor's singing the song, is he drumming to the song? The answer is no. Dave Grohl is drumming to this song. So there's another little factoid. You have a fun little Dave Grohl drum, which doesn't come up very often. Again, a little bit of that hark of Nirvana. You've got the, you know, friend of a friend song. Now you've got this one. Right. Exactly. Where you've got and, him on drums again. Yeah. It's a very popular song. I think it would fit on a deep cuts collection for Foo Fighters fans. Yeah. Very easily. I think this would be one of the bigger deep cut songs. I think that if the best, you know, like the best of greatest hits album um, had a double disc, this would have been on it easily. It would have been this DOA would have been on it. Yep. You know, so how do you feel about we've already made it to the end of the the record 19 songs down last one uh this is an almost hour and a half record and it ends with razor i love this song this is a really good song and i love the guitar work on it thank you josh homie of queens of the stone age for joining him on this again the other third of 
them crooked vultures you've got the whole band here on this record this is a really cool song and it's hypnotic mm, i like that yeah i like the way you put that and i think it's a great end of the it's a really awesome way to end the record you've just gone through an entire you know rock record and then you get to the acoustic and you're on the 20th song you have this like calm that like that last note that when it hits is like a calm piece like a zen of like you've now heard you've now heard your daily dose of rock daily it's more than a daily dose but you can now move on with your day it has like a like a zen quality to it right yeah it's well as as is i feel the entire second half of this record the being so acoustic being so calm um, when the first half hits you so hard, you need something to wash it down. Razor ends it so beautifully. And it is a great, great choice for the last song. What is your opinion on the full record as is? The full record albums one and two. Um, I can see why you find this to be one of your favorites, one of your personal favorites. And the reason why is because I think album one encompasses a level of technicality that we haven't heard to this point and is probably comparable, in my opinion, to what we hear moving on. There's one record that we will talk about in the next five that we will get to where I think maybe the level of technicality and expertise is notched up a, a, a different yeah. level. Mm-hmm. But this one certainly shows that they are a 10-year-old band, that mm-hmm. they are a seasoned band, that they have done professional touring and professional promotion and, and really sold out arenas and, and, and made a mark for themselves. They're, they're comfortable in their own shoes, finally. Thank goodness. I don't know what else it would have taken after you know, just the second album being Color and the Shape to get there, but they got there. And I think it's a breath of fresh air for me to go through this and say, this is the band I recognize more and more from where I began. Mm-hmm. What about for you? So, but I 100% agree. They have figured out who they are and what they're about and they're pushing boundaries and they're able to crunch out great songs. And on top of that, some of those great songs are being written faster. They're, they're getting, they're knowing who they are and how to write yeah. and how to like get, but like even the acoustic songs are incredible that, you know, the pacing, the timing, the, the lyrics, I think this is a great record. This is one of my, this is like I said, it's one of my favorites. Um, and I'm, this one does set a bar moving, you know, moving on. Yeah. Yes, it does. And they meet the bar. They exceed the bar sometimes even. Yes. And now I think the best thing for us to do first, before we get into the little challenge we gave ourselves, um, how would you rank this album in relation to the others we've listened to thus far? That is a great question, Peter. I... <laughs> Have you thought about this or can you, I have. Can so, you not? So I've done this several times. Um, as Peter knows, as a sidebar, uh, for five years, I, ran, I listened to, for eight, one week, I would listen to an entire artist's discography of albums and I would rank them. This was the first one I started in 2015. I re-ranked it when Concrete and Gold came out. So remembering where it was, initially, I think it was about number three or four wow. of eight or nine. It's still pretty high. Uh, I mean, there's only five right now. I 
have grown fonder in the years of there's nothing left to lose in a way that I didn't before. And I was probably running off nostalgia for DOA and No Way Back uh, a little bit. I think so far, we, we've been in alignment, right? The color yes. and the shape, Foo Fighters, there's nothing left to lose, one by one. We agree. I would put this at number, at a, right now, this is a number four. I think that my fondness for there's nothing left to lose has outranked the love of classics like Best of You and DOA at this point. As a, as a, like as a, like as a record, there are other songs on here for, from the B sides that I'm going to talk about in a bit that do help that have helped elevate it in my mind. So as an era, I do think it's even stronger than that. But as a record, I think that it might be number four, right under there is nothing left to lose. Interesting. I think we might differ here for the first time. My ranking is going to be Color in the Shape, Foo Fighters, then In Your Honor then there is nothing left to lose, and then one by one. And I feel comfortable ranking it that way because I, I'm starting to realize what it is about pre-2010s you know, Foo Fighters that people loved about this band. And I'm starting to realize how people may have felt as this band was growing and learning who it was to you know, say that that was probably in people's minds the way that they would have ranked it. And I think if I were old enough in that time period, that's how I, I, I think I would have been consistent. I, th- I mean, that's exactly how I ranked it five years ago. To get so there context. you go. So there that's you exactly go. how I ranked it before. The last five years, I've just spent more time with There's Nothing Left to Lose, right. which is why I have more fondness. As I've said, one of my favorite songs of all time now is Aurora. So hmm. that was not the case when I first listened to uh, you know, this record. So right. we have a slight variation in our uh, in our ranking, but that's okay. But not all that different. Still, not all that different. We'll see how it changes. There might be some big changes coming up. Who knows? But let's okay. go into the B sides. Yes, on this record, we're going to start with uh, the set of B sides, the EP that I previously mentioned, the five songs in a cover. This was released to Best Buy only. It is six songs. Five of them are originals and one cover. We're not going to dive deep into a lot of these. I'm just going to cover them briefly. Uh, was put out in November of 2005. Like I said, I got it in 2006. Uh, it is, there's a live version of Best of You, the demo of DOA, the song uh, Skin and Bones, which we will, we will stop for a moment. We'll go back to it. I'm just going to go through the entire track listing at first. The world demo, so demo of a song called World. These were all B-sides to some of the singles that they had. I feel free, which is the cream, which is a cover of Cream, uh, sung by Taylor Hawkins, drummed by Dave Grohl. Again, we're not going to talk about it, saving that for the cover show. That's right. And then FFL. So let's go back up. Those are the six songs. Let's go back to Skin and Bones. The fact that this did not make the record is mind-boggling. This is, an, this is one of the acoustic songs. I love this song. I love, I love the guitar part. I love how he plays. It's the name of this live show, and it was featured 
it was featured in the live show. And it's also at the beginning of the DVD, he's just, it's really funny as they're like prepping for the show. He's just walking around backstage playing that riff. As he's just walking around, people are like, you know, hanging out, taking shots. He's just over there just like playing this, this riff as he walks around backstage. Why was this song not put on the record? In my opinion, if I was, I, I haven't, we're not going to get to it yet, but this song should have replaced a song. And I have a couple of options for which ones it could have been, but. I think I know where you'd replace it. Can I take a quick guess as to the yeah, first yeah, song? No, we'll take it. Well, yeah, go for it. The first song I think you would cut if you had a choice to cut would be Friend of a Friend. I did mention that as a, yes, that is the first song I would cut. Yeah. And I think from there, maybe On the Mend or Over and Out, uh, in no particular order, maybe one of those two. Actually, that is incorrect, sir. The, uh, really? the next song I would cut is actually Virginia Moon. Oh, and okay. I do okay. like it, but it doesn't, I feel like it doesn't quite mesh. If I was to make changes, though, if I was to make one change, two changes, I'll call it, I would remove, I would, I would remove Friend of a Friend, I'd move Virginia Moon up to where friend of a friend was and i would put skin and bones in the place of virginia moon interesting i like that order the more the you know the more i think about that i like that order i think i'm on board with you why did this not make the record and right? I, bet it, I bet there's conspiracy theories out there about why it did maybe there was a timing issue maybe there was a obligation that they had to fulfill in terms of track timing and or mastering issues who knows but yeah. I think they did it did it justice by making this song also the name of their acoustic tour. And, and showcasing it there. And showcasing I, it there. I do the first time I saw them at Lollapalooza in 2011, Wasting Light Tour, they did play this song. Oh, you must have loved that. In the mud, just dance, <laughs> dancing in the mud to Skin and Bones. Really was funny. Really, really funny. Great song. Love this song. Well, I'm glad you like to experience it live. It's not one they play very often. It doesn't fit the traditional Foo Fighters brand, so to speak, but it is so well liked by so many fans. You uh, represent that feeling, uh, especially. Um, there's, I can't add any more to it than that. Yeah. That's you, we'll, you're, you're we'll, we'll go to the next. We'll go to the next yeah. one, which is a demo of a song they. I guess they never finished called "World." It is. It is not We Are the World. It is just World. No, just World. It is a, this is a really cool song. It's airy. It's light. It has a really cool, um, it has really cool effects to it. I see why it didn't make the record. I, it, it feels like the in-between. As, as we said, there's, no, there's an on-off switch in terms of intensity here. It's either all out or it is the acoustic. And this feels in-between. And I see why if you're going to cut songs, this song makes sense to cut because it's, it doesn't quite fit on the rock record and it definitely doesn't fit on the acoustic record. It's, and that's probably the reason why it didn't make the record. Simply put, that's probably not the reason why it didn't make the record. Interestingly enough, it was packaged with Resolve as a single. It does kind of fit with Resolve, though. It was the B-side. Yeah, it, it fits with Resolve. Resolve is definitely the like the more like that fits with like deepest blue right like this song kind of fits with that but deepest blue is a little bit more anthemic this song is not anthemic at all no 
no, no, no. I think if you, if you look at the lyrics, it is prophetic, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, I ride the wheel that turns. I find the soul that burns, the lonely heart that learns, so on and so forth. It is biblical in its, in its, in its symbolism and its intent. And I think for the reasons you stated, because it is just so sonically different and sonically ambiguous that this record uh, in your honor, the 20 songs that officially made it, they are, and I'm not saying this in a bad way, they are polarizing in the sense that album one is one mood. Album two is another mood. It's the opposite mood. It's the is opposite in terms of in terms of sound. Maybe not yeah. opposite in terms of meaning necessarily, no, but no, sound for sure. World, it it only fits on five songs in a cover. It only fits on that. It really only fits there, unless um, you put it on Echo Sound Space and the Grace. And even then, I don't know if it fits there I either. Don't think it, it's we'll one of those that, songs that but, it's one of those songs that I think it fits well with. There's nothing left to lose stuff, and it fits well with one by one stuff but it right. doesn't quite make sense moving forward. It makes sense why this song had to get cut at some point. Right. So you go through the, the five songs, you've got the cover next, um, and then you've got the last song on this, on this EP, FFL. I wish this song was on the rock record so much. I used to, this was, a, this was always on a playlist for me. This was always on my hard rock. This was on my snowboarding playlist. This was, it's intense. It's angry. It's punk. This is the punk metal Dave band. Chris Shiflett also came from a punk background. This is that band. This is the, oh, we like Motorhead. Let me show you how much I like Motorhead song. (laughs) It's a fun uh, reference also to uh, Queen with the line, get on your bikes and ride. Could what, this... what is your opinion? I, I've said... <laughs> well, I, I was just going to ask, do you think... Uh, we talked about this before we hit the record button. Could Dave have saved this for ProBot? He could have. He could. This could have been... This could have been ProBody. Uh, for those who don't know, ProBot is a very heavy metal side project by Dave Grohl. Yeah. This could have been... This could have made it with a ProBot. He did do something with Lemmy, as it makes me think of uh, Motorhead with this. I... I do. I mean, I would love to hear it as a. I want to hear it live as a Foo Fighters song. I want to hear it with. There are songs that this is an example. Going back to the first record, if you think about the first record, things like Weenie Beanie, you know, Watershed, Water Fred, Water Fred. <laughs> you move to us, you know, like the the song, the color and the shape, which didn't make sense, which was a B side from. Um, from the color and the shape that didn't make the record. It has that same intensity. It has that same energy of like, we are a, like, you know, the, the, we're a heavy punk rock band. We're like a punk metal thing. And this is there too. And it's a shame that it doesn't make this record in my opinion, because this is the first, this is like, you know, a lot of them like, okay, you've got pacing, you've got different things. Since the first record, this is the first time where you can have the energy of, 1995 you have it from a song like hell you know you have it from in your honor no way back why couldn't this i mean why couldn't this song have been on it i don't know what song you'd remove to be that honest. could be why 
I think I think you just hit the nail on the head. I think you can't remove something in place of this, but thankfully it got released in some form because it is for a fan like yourself who loves the intensity of the Foo Fighters. This satisfies that itch so oh, yeah. nicely oh, compared yeah. to and what some Foo Fighters fans may think is too much when it comes to a ballad song like Best of You or a ballad song like Times Like These, they may appreciate more of FFL because they they became a fan of Nirvana or yeah, became a fan of Nirvana, then as a result became a fan of Foo Fighters. And at some point we're hoping, well, when does this become a part of their sound? Has he completely lost this? And this the answer is no. It's there. It exists. But it just isn't it isn't quite making the record. It's not as featured. Yeah, it's not as featured. It's not making the record proper. Right. Not since '95. And it will come back, and we'll talk about that. But uh, I love that this is a thing. Just to end the the thought of I, I just like that it's a thing, and I'm happy it's a thing. There are two more songs, two more original songs that have been released from this era. Uh, one is The Sign, which was a track that was released as a bonus track. It was a track 11 on the rock album, which yep. again, if you're going to do something like that, this is a, a thing that I kind of find frustrating. It's like, if you're going to put a thing like that, why place it at the end, end over end? Yeah, like that has a better ending sound than yeah. The Sign does. I it's a good song, that. but I, I see why it didn't make, I, I, again, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it is the top 10 songs from the rock record. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's fun to listen to, but not fun to repeat listen to. And so if it were the bonus track of the first album, I personally, given the way that we more conveniently listen to music, which is via streaming services, would prefer that it just get pushed to track 21 rather than track 11, because um, there is no natural separation that would allow me to go from end over end to still the way I, I, I liked the way that that transition happened. The sign, I think, breaks that trend, yeah. uh, that feeling, kind of in, in a way I wouldn't appreciate. So I'm yeah. glad we, we didn't live in those markets where that was the, the bonus track that yes. separated it like that. And one more we've got is uh, the song Spill. Another B-side, I think this is uh, this might have been a B-side to Best of You. I don't really remember. But I, I, I like this one. It's similar rationale. It doesn't make the, it doesn't really, it doesn't make the record. It's not the top songs. But I like this one more than The Sign. Interesting. Now, why is that? What, what is it about this one versus The Sign? I think it's the like chorus. That? I think it has a better chorus. Okay. Not, mean, not, not an in-depth answer. This is my first time this week was the first time I'm hearing the sign and spill. So I haven't had as much time as I haven't had the 15 years I have with, um, you know, with so- five songs and a cover. Uh, so with one week having listened to it. Yeah. It, it just doesn't have the same. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a lot to say about it because of, of when, when we discovered it, I mean, this was released in the kind of like a batch collection, even though it comes from the time it came many, many years later yeah. as something we kind of discovered after the fact. And so I think, you know, a lot of people will 
obviously put that little asterisk note on it of saying, okay, well, this is something that came from the vault, didn't come from the original pressing. Yeah. And so it carries a little bit of a, more of a historical footprint uh, sentiment than a how this song make me feel in the moment when I was that age and I was listening to it at that time kind of moment. Yeah. And so I think that will detach you from any B-side, from any record, from any period of time um, when listened to after the fact. And so mm-hmm. it's not Spill's fault. It's just we know that there are better songs on In Your Honor. And that's why Spill, they're on In Your Honor. That's why they're on In Your Honor. And Spill is not one of them. Those skin and bones, we are saying this on this podcast, Walking After Foo says, skin and bones should at some point in the history, wherever the track listing may rest, be listed among the 21 or 20, if you cut something out, songs. Skin and Bones should be there. I, I would also uh, love to see FFL be a, a bonus track. I would, the way I imagine, we could, you know, we could, we could skip ahead to it in a bit, but yeah. um, I, I would have loved to have also heard that song on the record. Those are the two that I think could have made the record. How about this? Uh, let's let's make Skin and Bones the bonus track of album one and FFL the bonus track of album two. And I think that's the perfect way to do it. <laughs> There's no better way to to circumvent your expectations than to end one song end the rock record with the acoustic, acoustic. song and end the acoustic, acoustic record, with the, record with the mo- with the most punk song you've got. What a jarring but beautiful experience that would be. So we've just gone through all of the records or all of the songs. We've listened to, let's see, 20 on the regular record as well as five B-sides. It's a double album. It's a, lo- it's a lot of the music longest. to take in. The longest. the longest. This is the longest record they're going to have. If, let's say, you know, we, we, we decided we'd challenge ourselves. If you're going to turn this record, this double record, into a single record, how would you do it? Feel free to let us know. We're going to tell you right now how we feel about it. Yeah, please send us uh, feedback on Twitter at Music Unsub Pod. That is where we interact with our fans uh, if they would like to interact with us. Yes, we decided to distill the largest Foo Fighters record into a normal size Foo Fighters record, and it wasn't easy. Um, uh, would you like to begin or would you like me to begin? I would like you to begin. Then I will. What I did is I made this a 10-track record. I decided they made each album 10 tracks. I will make my one album 10 tracks as well. As we mentioned, this is a polarizing record. There is no way to intertwine these records. So I didn't. The first five songs are rock songs. The last five songs are the acoustic songs. Interesting. So... In my belief, it is impossible to make this double album a cohesive single album. Just because of the nature of the songs, you would have way too many peaks and valleys for this to be an enjoyable, seamless listening experience. That's my belief. So I made a 10, five and five from each. You could probably guess what the rock songs are. I'm, I'm sure I could. But you and probably the, couldn't guess the order. No, probably not, unless it's the first four songs off the record and then resolve i would probably say well here's the thing it is the first four records and then resolve (laughs) (laughs) you get 50 points but (laughs) i didn't put in that order and i wanted to make sure i didn't put in that order because i i wanted to try and add some 
originality, some of my own take onto this since I am playing around in a universe where I control track listings by a band that knows much more about music than me. So I decided to make track one DOA. That's an interesting first track. <laughs> and I think people may shut off our podcast right here and now, but hear me out for those people who are still listening to us. DOA, when I listen to it, you have to keep in mind, I hadn't listened to this song in years. Once I finally happened upon it, I was so pleasantly surprised with how good it was as its own standalone track. And I think it is upbeat enough and bright enough to begin an album. I know In Your Honor is so intense and such a buildup and so big and that it deserves to be the title track and it does deserve to be this first first song but in my mind there's a better place for in your honor we're going to get to it track number two i'm keeping the way it was on the original record is no way back i think that's where it belongs that's where it remains number three only because i think it transitions well into number four is resolve resolve is the closest thing in my opinion to the second album, the acoustic version, because it is a slower tempo. It is a less electric, less intense song, even though you hear a little bit of you know intensity from Dave Grohl's voice. Um, you hear some softness in the runs and in the, the, the context of the music. I think Resolve fits well to transition from No Way Back into Resolve into Best of You. I'm putting Best of You fourth. For no other reason than I think Resolve transitions well into Best of You. Yeah. And so that's where reason. it goes. And I also think Resolve isn't good enough to be number two. So Best of You is number yeah. four. So Process of Elimination, track five is in your honor. I Such think a bizarre choice. I'm going to be bizarre. honest. I think that's so bizarre. But it's kind of, I think it would be, wouldn't, how cool would it be to end it aside with In Your Honor? I mean, you're like, it's, yeah. it's that whiplash effect of just, yeah. like, whoa, what was that? You know, so. That's, that's my side A. Yeah. Side B, all acoustic songs. This one, um, I think we both agree. There's, there's liberties you can take with this, this one. I think yeah. the, the, rock, the rock album, a lot of people may agree, kind of has to be set in stone. They've, they've listened to it and appreciated it a certain way. But the acoustic album has some freedoms to it. So I took some freedoms with it. Track number six, the beginning of side B is What If I Do? I'm a really big fan of What If I Do. I think it's my favorite song on the acoustic side. So for that reason alone, I put it there. Number seven is Still. I think Still is a great beginning of that acoustic side. So I put it towards that top. That's simply why I put it there. Cold Day in the Sun is the deepest, best deep track that the Foo Fighters have. It had to make the, the record if I put, put it together in one. Number nine is Razor. Number nine is Razor. Because I really like Razor, I really would like it if it were higher on the record. To me, it's not an ending track. That's interesting. Another round is an ending track. That I do see another round as an ending track. I do find it strange to hear Razor as an ending track, only because I, if it's not an ending track, it's a beginning track to me. That's how it feels. And that could easily be. But another round, I actually put on my little poster here, another round was the first song I put on this. Everything else came in after another round because once I heard another round, I said, that's a perfect way to end a song, like an album. Let's go another round. Run it again. Or let's listen to another album. Let's yeah. run that again. It's, it's, it's the most literal way to tell somebody, yeah, play it again. Hit play again. Do yeah. it. Just keep 
keep going. Keep I love it. It's going. And so what you made is a record that is essentially two incredible EPs. You made a you made yes. a double EP. Yes. That is tight and very concise. And I find some of those choices interesting, just maybe because I've listened to it so in such a way. But I do enjoy yes. it. I think that's a really cool way to do it. So I'm I'm happy. I'm happy that you uh, that you put those together. Thank you for sharing. Well, I'm glad you did not yell at me for moving in your honor as far down as I did. I, I did it was I, done with good intentions. No, I, I, I can see how the energy at the end of the song is a great way to end it aside. I do right. see that. That's what I was going for. My turn. Let's hear it. Okay. So here's the thing. I listened to this. I listened to the record. I listened to the B-sides. I narrowed down the potential of what this was. And then I put it on a shuffle for the last few days. And my God, is it so difficult to do this. For you especially. I had, a, I had, there was a vision in my mind. You had a vision, 10 songs. Turn 20 songs into 10 songs. And I had a slightly different vision. I had, I do have the love of the five songs in a cover EP. So I had, I had to put Skin and Bones on and I had to put FFL on. So here is the vision I had in mind. It's not quite there yet. So you're not going to get, you're not going to get my version, but I'm going to give you some highlights of thoughts that I had. That's okay. You, you start with in your honor and you end with resolve. I was thinking somewhere in the out with in between you have somewhere near an hour. The entire record ends within the exact hour spacing with when you get through your however many songs it is, which I you know was working through, there would be a pause. And then FFL would be a bonus track. In the lines of some of the other great records of um, you know, you know, Abbey Road or Sgt. Peppers or Nevermind had bon- had a bonus track on it of a really intense energy thing. You think the record's done. It ends on resolve and it has this, the Zen moment that I spoke about. And then you just hear ready, aim, fire, and it just Ooh. goes. Okay. Okay. It kind of, it, it throws you for a loop almost. Yeah, exactly. I had a few, I was, as I was working through, I put it on shuffle and just started working through. I don't know if you know this, but there are millions of trillions of combinations that can be made of this record. Not yeah. all of them are good, but I believe when you have 22 songs that I'm choosing between and the different, the mathematical ways that you could put them together. It's very difficult. So I found a handful of ways that have transitions that I thought could be interesting. Um, one of those would be resolve into over and out. That and then into free me. Ooh. I thought that could be a very interesting as opposed to resolve into deepest blue. Mm, okay. As I was going through this, initially deepest blue was a song I considered removing, and it kept coming up as like a really awesome song that came after transitions or would lead into a different song. So it there's a chance that it stays because of that. The biggest one is the one I mentioned earlier. On the mend, skin and bones, cold day in the sun had a very strong feel. But I thought of, it, of another thing of, you go from Cold Day in the Sun into DOA as a very different cut. 
to move you away from the as a way to because cold day in the sun is a very is, is it's it's on the acoustic record but it's not like it's not like on the mend or something like that where it, you can't pull into the rock side so if you want to have some of those ebbs and flows which again there aren't a lot of it's very jagged you could do that using cold day in the sun to pull you into something like doa and that can pull you into the rest of the rock record yep a few other examples i had of another round going into free me Ooh. yeah Hmm. Uh, some other ones that I that I noticed. DOA into FFL. If I wasn't going to do the bonus huh. track at the end, okay. And that would just keep into abbreviations. Yeah. Uh, let's see. End over end also worked into Skin and Bones. Razor worked into Hell. Um, Hell also worked into Best of You. So you could have like you could have had like a Razor Hell best of you arrangement. These are things I was working through. I never got to finish it. There are so many variations and I love so many songs on this record. It was too difficult to pull songs out. Some of the ones that I did end up pulling out were the ones that I mentioned before. Friend of a Friend, Virginia Moon. If you're going to make a single record of it, it, there's a little bit more cohesion that had to be had. So I had to pull things that didn't quite necessarily make sense. There are songs that I also love like still that I would love to have on there, but I don't know if it ends up being. My hope is to finish this at some point. So I will, I will send an update out of what my finalized updated in your honor is. And if it is in your honor, if in your honor is not on there, maybe I'll call it something different. Well, I forgive you, first of all, because I know how much this record means to you. So it's so hard to break it down from what you're so used to listening to over a decade plus of having heard it. So no apologies there if you weren't able to break it down the way that would make sense uh, you know, to you. But let me ask you this. Would In Your, In Your Honor be the number one song regardless for you? Not necessarily. Uh, okay. As I said before, uh, Razor could be the number, could be the, the number one song. Um, it could be something else, but... In Your Honor has a very number one song feel. I do feel, I, I do feel strongly that more likely than not, if it's not the first song you're hearing, it's probably not on the record. I hear that. Yep, I get that. Well, that is our uh, assessment of how we could break down this really incredible double album, uh, In Your Honor by the Foo Fighters. If you have a way that you've thought about breaking it down, please tell us music on sub pod on social media. We'd love to hear how you interpret this record. What sticks comment on our versions of it, comment on uh, our versions. Tell us why we're wrong or we're right. I hope we're right. I, or, or, or just that you agree or that you could listen to it this way. I had a thought just, this will be a quick, just kind of way to end this part of the conversation. If this album came out today in a day where singles can, can come out on their own and survive for months and EPs can be released on their own and survive for months, this could have easily been broken, like chopped up in a million different ways and distributed oh, yeah. over the course of a year. Just release yeah. this over the course of a year and tour on it. and just You let could have released this five songs at a time with yeah. a mix of acoustic and yeah. electric songs together. You yeah. could have put them out as all electric songs, all acoustic songs. This could have easily been a year plus of songs being released right 
Yes. But remember, this is 2005. We're still using CDs in this era. Uh, the uh, technology is not quite what it is yet to make streaming as easy as it is uh, in this day and age. And so for what the Foo Fighters were able to do uh, is really, really impressive. And it is applauded. The capability of where they are going to go next into the next record we talk about Echoes, Silence, Patience, and Grace. We won't get into it too much, but this is a point for me where I start getting into the Foo Fighters. So Andrew began here. I begin about an album and a half later, and we're going to talk about that a lot. But thank you for so much for listening. This has been Walking After Foo, our discussion of In Your Honor, the 2005 fifth out of 10 records from the Foo Fighters leading up to the release of Medicine at Midnight on February 5th, so many fives, February 5th, 2021. To listen to prior episodes of the four albums we have discussed prior to this one, go on to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, anywhere that you listen to podcasts, and search Music Unsubscribed. All of our episodes live within that umbrella of content where we are putting out a lot of great information on a lot of different subjects, but Foo Fighters is our uh, point of interest right now and for the foreseeable future. So again, thank you for listening. My name is Peter. My name is Andrew. And we'll be back next time with our conversation on Echoes, Silence, Patience, and Grace. Have a great rest of your day.